so welcome to the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon with you here. We're coming to you from the heart of America's heartland, Des Moines, Iowa. And with me today, uh, my co-host, Dr. Charles Goldman. Hey, if you value what we do, we need your support. Uh, visit the Fallon Forum website, uh, make a donation if you can, and uh, become a local business sponsor. We, we, we love to have our local business partners work with us on this program. Uh, speaking of sponsors, thanks to Gateway Marketing Cafe. That's my grocery store. Uh, they're open seven days a week, the cafe and the grocery store. And here's a great idea for the holidays, folks. Gateway gift cards. They can be used not only at Gateway Market, but also at some great Central Iowa restaurants, including Centro, Django, Malo, Zombie Burgers, all the Zombie Burgers, and a few other places as well. That's a Gateway Marketing Cafe. Thanks also to Architecture by Synthesis. Uh, owner uh, Mark Klipsham knows that we have to build better health for people and the planet, and the services he provides are committed to that goal. He is adamantly and actively supporting the mission of the forum and community-owned stations. That's Architecture by Synthesis. Charles, welcome to the program. How's it going, Ed? It's going great. So, um, folks, if you're listening on one of our radio affiliates uh, or to the podcast, note that this is a rebroadcast. If you're listening to the live conversation on the Fallon Forum Facebook page, you're welcome to join the conversation. 515-519-6323. Don't call us. Text us. 515-519-6323. Today, we're going to focus mostly on the growing threat to Roe v. Wade. But first, uh, we want to talk about the growing crisis in Ukraine. But first, Charles, before that, I want to announce that... Um, Donald Trump back on November 28th uh, challenged Democratic leaders and the corrupt fake me media mm -hmm. to, um, to debate him on whether or not the 2020 election was stolen. And I, I couldn't find anybody who had done that. So I did it today. I said, hey, I'm Mr. Uh, Mr. Trump. I am willing to debate you. I've, uh, I've stood up to Joe Biden. He grabbed me by the lapels. He poked me. He threatened me. I can, I can take on Donald Trump if I can take on Joe Biden. So um, Are you going to... Challenge Trump to a uh, push-ups contest. <laughs> I challenge him to an arm wrestling contest. But no, I, uh, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I, I, he, I, I don't even know why he thinks he can get away with saying challenge me to a debate on the uh, on the election. The facts are all on one side of this. Well, like everything uh, Donald Trump does right now, it's to raise money, <laughs> and who knows where that money's going. I mean, some well, of it's it, going to a re-election campaign. Well, some of it, yes, appears in in traditional pack. Uh, coffers, where the rest of it goes, who knows? Well, okay, sure. You're, you're, you're implying that there may be some subtle form of embezzlement it, going it, on. This is just a sophisticated grift, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that of yours is a sophisticated guess. Yeah. But no, I mean, I, I, I've not seen, I, I'm surprised actually that other Democrats haven't responded and saying, oh yeah, we'll debate you on this. Come on, bring it on. I, I'm just, I'm kind of shocked that the Democratic Party, or no one in the Democratic Party has done that. Well, I'm, I'm not sure that the advantage would be to uh, bring facts to bear because they don't matter anymore. I think it would simply be to show how feckless and uh, incapable of putting two thoughts together on his own Donald Trump would be. Right, but but he but now Donald Trump comes back. I mean, I got an email from him. This is the the, uh, the 28th of November that he sent out the challenge, mm -hmm. the Goliath challenge. And uh, just a couple of days ago, he says, well, no one challenged me, so blah, blah, I must be telling the truth. They're afraid to debate the facts because they know that I've, they know that I'm right. Well, multiple, <laughs> so. multiple election officials and uh, sent tweets, communicating in other ways, uh, saying there's no point. The courts have already shown that there's nothing to right, this. Right, but, but okay, that's great. But why not actually take him up on his offer well, to who, have this who debate? Who in particular would you like to debate him? I, I'd do it. I mean, other than yourself. Right. I, mean, <laughs> I do don't you, care. Do you have somebody else who would be uh, particularly good? Bernie Sanders, Nancy Pelosi. I don't care. Any, any, any Democrat that can hold, you know, two thoughts in his or her mind at the same time could, could, could take him on this. And, uh, yeah. See, and I, I kind of would like to see that the woman who's a representative from the Virgin Islands. Oh, she's good. She's yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, she's and then, um, I forget her name. Yeah, I forgot her name, too. And yeah. also the woman who's the former police chief from uh, Florida. Or Tulsi Gabbard. She's still a Democrat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so um, that was a little bit of fun I had this weekend. Um, I figured, yeah. But I, polishing I, your debating points? Yeah, right. Yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah, well, I, you know, it wouldn't take long to do that. Again, the facts are pretty solid on this. But it just it does amaze me that the Democrats don't make a bigger deal of that. Because if they don't, then he gets to say what he's saying. Hey, send me money. Because look, the Democrats know that this 
election was stolen. That's why they're not challenging me on this. So, I, I again, I, I cannot believe the Democratic Party is not smarter than that. You, you should take them on on this. Take them on on it. Anyway, yeah, but they don't. And, and I would do it, obviously, uh, on a venue where you would assure yourself you'd get a lot of conservatives watching. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah sure. Why not? But it doesn't matter. Let, let, let Trump pick the uh, the network that broadcasts it. Well, I mean, he'll clearly pick, you know, oh, and, oh, yeah, or, or, or yeah, Newsmatch exactly. or something. Yeah. yeah. Sean Hannity, uh, the moderator. It would be moderated by a reporter from the Epic Times. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, or Scott Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Steve, let's. Steve Bannon, yeah. Steve Bannon, sorry. Let, let's, uh, let's switch gears here, Charles, talk about something a little more serious than anything Donald Trump might say uh, Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is getting ugly over there. And there are some people saying, oh, my gosh, um, is this going to lead us down a path toward warfare, um, possibly even World War III? Um, what do you think? Well, it's interesting because, you know, the concern with this would be is the, the visible failure in Afghanistan, which, of course, is being malpresented and misrepresented by the American press as to Biden's real responsibility for what was a fiasco for almost a decade already. Um, is that going to drive the Biden administration to try to regain our luster uh, in, in the Ukraine? Because the real question in Ukraine is, what actually is the strategic value of the Ukraine? And this, is, this has been a fiasco in the making of four administrations, starting with uh, W's administration. <laughs> Okay. And going through President Obama and going through President Trump and now President Biden. So what? But but yeah. But how do you deal with okay? How do you deal with an aggressor like Russia or for that matter China? Russia invading Ukraine. I mean, Russia already. Let's let's face it. They already invaded Ukraine and stole the Crimea. Okay, but they they they, um, they annexed <laughs> Crimea. Okay. Okay, which is a region of the country. Sure. That has cultural ties much more to Russia than they do to the Ukraine, which is another made-up country. That, that, well, that's 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 debatable, depending who you ask. But yeah. Well, it, yeah. If you ask the people who speak English, who are Ukrainian nationalists that we listen to, well, they're going to tell you that they don't. Well, the Tatars also moved back there. Uh, What's that? Yeah, but they but the moved point back is, there after it was safe to do so after the fall of, uh, but then fall if, of the if, Soviet if, Union. If, if we're going to replicate the situation, you know, with the, uh, you know, the Donbass, why don't we find out what the people in the Donbass want? We don't seem to, and that's actually part of what the deal was that the Russians came to, that the UN, Minsk II, approved, which was in fact mm -hmm. to find out whether the people in this region do want to stay as an autonomous republic with inside the Ukraine, All right. which is not unknown, okay, because you as an Irishman <laughs> know that, that that sort of arrangement was made between Northern Ireland and Ireland. You can, you can have autonomy based on ethnicity or history within the construct of a, another country. We'll have to have a whole separate uh, separate conversation about the Irish War for Independence and the following and the right. Civil War that followed. But the um, in in Ukraine, I mean, again, I look at Ukraine and Taiwan as very similar. You've got two very powerful countries um, meddling with those those nations, and you know, and and the question is, there are those saying, you know, yeah, we got to go in and do something. There was one Republican, I can't remember which Congress, Yahoo, it was, who said. Uh, yeah, first strike, uh, you, a nuclear warhead should not be off the table. I mean, that's just which is crazy which talk. Which is ludicrous. Crazy talk. Because what's driving this? What's driving this was that the uh, initially uh, President Bush said, we're not going to include NATO, uh, Ukraine in NATO. Then in 2008, all of a sudden, changed his mind. Okay, so what's the, what, let, let me ask this. What is the point of NATO anymore? Why have... Why have an alliance like that? I mean, well, the what, point of NATO was to was to you know try to conglomerate the power of the various European countries to avoid an aggression. Well, yeah. on the basis in the Cold War, it's a Cold okay. War institution. Sure. So it's an, okay, Cold War institution. In other words, right. it's passe. It should be disbanded. If you want European, that's not the power, problem here. The, the problem Euro here is why are we expanding it or saying we're going to expand it? First of all, it's well, never expanded. It, yeah. It's never going to be expanded to Ukraine because the French and the Germans will never go along with that because okay. they know exactly what it's going to lead to. Right. Right. So that should make so that the, should make so the Russians' <laughs> argument is the Russians' argument is 
This is a country which is a buffer between the, the easternmost country that's in NATO, which is Poland, and their border. Yeah. Right? If, we're, if you were the United States, what would your position be about the Ukraine? Yeah, uh, that, that's... If, what, do you mean, what do you mean, if I was the United States? If you I mean, were the United <laughs> States in Russia's position, would your argument uh, be that that's fine, let's have an alliance of, no. of Russian federated states right on our border? Well, you know, I mean, it, it's hard to answer that because I, I can't think like a dictator. I mean, Putin is a ruthless dictator. Uh, it is a sad situation that after the Soviet Union collapsed and we saw some hope that a free and liberated Russia might arise if that didn't happen. Well, it happened for a very short time. I guess uh, during that time, uh, Putin drove a cab. I wish he'd stuck with that. But, um, you know, he's clearly indicated that he is, uh, he's, uh, he's ruling the country with an iron hand. He's a dictator. He's going to be aggressive against neighbors. Uh, China is doing if, but the if same he, thing. If, if, if he was going to be aggressive against neighbors, wouldn't he have already invaded to take the Donbas, it wouldn't have been very hard. Well, Donbas, that's, that that's the province. That's the province in the eastern the portion Ukraine. of the country. Right. That's correct. That's where all the skirmishes have been occurring. There's, for there's years been a now. civil war going on there since yeah. 2014. Right, right, a civil right. war that was generated, by the way, by the U.S. interference in the removal of the, gov the democratically elected government in 2014. What does that sound like? Yeah. Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you These know, are the same arguments that got us into Vietnam. These are the same sure. arguments that led to disaster in Afghanistan. Right. The question really is, other than the seemingly ceremonial, uh, you know, value of saying we're going to fight Russian aggression, of which there isn't any at this point, what is the strategic value of the Ukraine? It's a, it's a basically a relatively impoverished country with a weak economy okay, right, and a corrupt government. But, but wow, sounds like Afghanistan. But, yeah, but you're thinking like... You're thinking, you're thinking in, uh, in modern strategic terms. I mean, I'd prefer to think in humanitarian terms. There are, what, how many million people live in the Ukraine? Uh, it's, it's not a small country. Right. <laughs> it's, uh, what, it's the size of Texas, I believe. Okay, but, but I understand that what you're saying. But what I'm saying is, is that an agreement was made that included Russia in 2015, right. which in fact said nothing about annexing the rest of the Ukraine and actually agreed to an autonomous you know, republic, if that's what they chose, under Ukrainian control. The Russians agreed to that. Yeah. So my point is that the way it's presented to us, because first of all, it's hardly ever presented to us, right? Because we're too busy following everything that Trump says, <laughs> right? But the, the fact I'll, is there I'll, is a way- I'll take that personally. Right? There is, no, there is a way out of this that doesn't involve American deaths yeah. and Russian deaths and the potential for, of course, it's, it's, it is, absolutely crazy that an American House of Representative person, whatever party, would say that they're willing to have first use of nuclear weapons but, over but the Ukraine. He's not the only one to say that historically. No, I understand I mean, there, that. There have been plenty of uh, right. nut jobs who and said President, things like that. And President Biden just told Putin that it is absolutely non-negotiable. Right? Which part? That it's non-negotiable that they're going to allow any incursion mm -hmm. of the Russians, even if the Donbas says, we're done. We don't want to be part of the Ukraine anymore. Yeah. You know, we want to be part of the Russian Federation. So, yeah, well, yeah but, but how, how, how would they determine that with a vote? We all know how corrupt any corrupt voting is under, under Putin's uh, watch. And how much better is it in the United States? <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I'd, is, I'd say it's worse there, this, but uh, we're is, going in the wrong direction you're, you're on that. You're just falling sure. into the classic American position, which is that we're always better at everything. No, no, and, no, no, and no. That we don't interfere in other people, other countries' affairs, which we do oh, we all do. the time. I know time. we do. I'm, I, I we do that all the time. Obviously, look at Central America, South and America, we actually, the Mideast. We actually generated the unrest, the chaos in Ukraine by our own actions, because we wanted to remove a, governor, a government that was becoming seemingly friendly to the Russians because they reneged on a deal to affiliate with the EU. Yeah. That's, what led to the, that's what led to the Crimea invasion. Yeah. During that chaos, they were able to walk into the Crimea. Yeah, well, and, uh, and again, it isn't just Ukraine. We don't hear as much about Belarus, but Putin has been very aggressive in Belarus as well. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not just, you know, it's not just troops. I mean, we, we, know, we know how effective Russia was at corrupting uh, the the integrity of our own election here, and uh, you know they've used cyber warfare in Ukraine as well, and I you know I don't 
You know, what, 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 from what moral position are we working that you're making that statement? Well, I, no, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I mean, I'm exactly not saying we've done any thing. better, but... Right, uh, we do exactly the no, same I thing, mean, so I don't understand. Why are we propagating this Cold War confrontation? We shouldn't be. I, right, I, I'm, because I, there's no strategic value in arguing they should be I, part I, of okay, NATO. That, that's why I disagree. I, I don't think we start, should talk about strategic value. I think we should talk about human value. And again, that's, that's my concern. Well, that was the argument in Afghanistan. Look what happened. Well, the Taliban just was waited the, that, and waited that, and waited, that, that was and the, they knew we would leave. That was the surface argument. Underneath it was strategic. You know, it was it was it was economic. It was it was um, it was uh, positional. You know, right? But it, then it turned know. into nation building. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and well, you sound a lot like Tulsi Gabbard. Well, I mean, this is you know, this is one <laughs> this is one area which theoretically, if Trump knew what he was talking about, he was right. Which is, we have to really examine all these ideas that somehow with military force we're going to change the flow of history. So I think he was it's, right, it's, right accidentally. Probably, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's a mentality that to some degree comes from World War II, you know. Yeah. But that was a different war, and now it's a, a different world. Yeah. Hey, um. Got to take a short break here, folks. Uh, with Charles Goldman in the studio today. Uh, up next, the fate of Roe versus Wade and a woman's right to choose. We've got to take a short break. We'll be right back. You can support this uh, alternative to the right-wing shock jocks by becoming a monthly donor or a local business sponsor. Check out the Fallon Forum website. And thanks to the local businesses that do support this program, including psychiatrist Dr. David Drake. If you live in Iowa, anywhere in Iowa, Dr. Drake can help through the convenience and privacy of televideo counseling offered on a self-pay basis. Contact DavidDrakeFamilyPsychiatry.com. Thanks also to Groovy Goods. That's Des Moines' one-stop hippie shop where everyone is welcome and no one is judged. Groovy Goods is a tribe brought together by peace, love, and rock and roll. Learn more at Groovy-Goods.com or stop in at 23rd and University in Des Moines. Gateway Market and Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store, centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand-cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines, and craft beer. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market. Good food, great community. You're responsible for a lot, and it's easy to become overwhelmed, to feel helpless, even hopeless. What's not so easy is finding your way back to feeling and functioning better. Psychiatrist Dr. David Drake helps individuals and couples throughout Iowa with the convenience and privacy of televideo counseling. Dr. Drake also prescribes medication when needed, and his services are offered on a self-pay basis. If you need help, don't delay. Contact Dr. Drake at daviddrakefamilypsychiatry.com. Now, welcome back to the forum. Ed Fallon with you here, Charles Goldman with me. We have been uh, discussing the Ukraine, and we're ready to shift to another tough topic, the possible repeal of Roe v. Wade. If you're listening on one of our radio affiliates or to our podcast, note that this program is pre-recorded. If you'd like to participate in the live conversation, tune in every Monday at 4 o'clock Central Time on the Fallon Forum Facebook page. And if you're listening live right now, you're welcome to join the conversation. Just text your name and hometown to 515-519-6323. So, Charles, um, the uh, constitutionally protected right to an abortion under attack like it has never been in our lifetime, and the prognosis not looking very favorable. That's correct. I mean, I think um, the Mississippi case, if it was up to Chief Justice Roberts, would be decided to sort of, you know, uh, redefine viability. And viability move, and move viability back right. uh, as the Mississippi law is doing. But I think the other five conservative justices are just done with Roe v. Wade. And um, it, it seemed pretty clear from the arguments, unless somebody could be persuaded among them, that um, they're ready to basically overturn Roe v. Wade as, as incorrectly decided based on a uh, sort of made-up right to privacy. Right. 
and that that it will not make abortion illegal. It simply will return the question to the states, which is their favorite their favorite way of getting around things. Right. Now, the second part of this that's interesting uh, is the question of what they're going to do with the Texas law. Now, the Texas law may become moot because it, Texas is one of those states which have trigger uh, right. laws that will make abortion unavailable, right. period. Right. Um, should Roe v. Wade be overturned. Right. The Supreme Court takes action, boom, the state law right. kicks in automatically. Right, right. but right. The, the interesting thing about this Texas law and the fact that they're unwilling to over to say it's blatantly unconstitutional, it was only created to, to sort of face off against the constitutionality of the Supreme Court decision, is that the Texas law is looking at a way of essentially undermining the supremacy clause of the U.S. Constitution. Because the Texas law is basically saying if we keep state officials out of the enforcement of a law, then the federal government has no supremacy, right? So what are those laws? Where did those laws come up? Right after Reconstruction, um, the Jim Crow laws. (laughs) Right. Do you think think, uh, that that, uh, interpretation of the federal role in states' governance would be applied more broadly beyond the issue of abortion if... uh, if that were to come to pass? Yes. I don't think there's any question it would be. So it would... It would undermine a lot of civil rights that we assume. Probably uh, environmental protections issues. Uh, maybe what about interstate commerce? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, it would, it, would cow, create absolute, uh, it would create absolute chaos. And, if, and, you know, I think that what the five justices may say is it's better just to be done with this and not have to deal with the Texas law. Because otherwise they'd have to make so a decision. So when you say done with this, meaning just get rid of Roe, just get rid of it, yeah, and overturn it and, using and, and, the Mississippi and, and case. Is that, is, that, is that your read from listening to oral arguments? I mean, it's you know, they, I, it's hard to know. I mean, it's it hard, hard to know, to know if that. But I mean, it's almost more dangerous for them to leave the Texas law in place because it undermines their own legitimacy. Right. And um, I think it's inevitable that even Alito and Thomas understand yeah. that it getting rid you know saying the supremacy clause of the constitution is essentially no longer viable is these are supposed to be originalists so, it says it in the constitution so, 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 so the real crux of this i mean if this if it does come to pass and if a, if a woman's right to uh, to choose an abortion should be abandoned in certain states mm-hmm. uh, what does that mean on the ground i mean you're you're a physician you're you've been a doctor all it your means adult about life um, two-thirds maybe 60 percent of the population of the, of, the US. US, of the U.S. will not have ready access. Okay. Um, and that obviously will be mostly in the South and rural states. And probably mostly among poor people. Well, poor people are going to be Working much more class. affected because yeah. they'll have much more difficulty traveling elsewhere to get it done. Right. Yeah. No, there's no question. And so does that bring us to a time such as we experienced back in the 60s, uh, you know, back alley abortions, uh, the symbol of the co-hanger. I mean, this well, is all horrific stuff. Yeah, that's you know? an interesting question because remember, the big driver for Roe v. Wade was not the question of abortion itself. It was the question of keeping it illegal. And that's what actually drove the Roe v. Wade decision. It was advocacy on the part of physician groups and other groups to make it legal to stop the carnage among the women who are trying to, to, to end pregnancy. And are those arguments um, being made? Well, that's the real question, because w- how would this be different? Well, what's different now is the availability of doing medication abortions. It's not necessarily the safest thing to do outside of a medical venue without mm-hmm. some sort of you know, assistance. But um, some of it may be muted by the fact that women will find ways to get the drugs to do the medication abortions, mm-hmm. but they have to be done fairly early in the pregnancy mm. to be uh, you know, reproducibly effective. So I think initially you will not see, it will not be as visible, mm. but eventually it will be. Right. And it sounds, it, to me, it seems like it's, it's, it's not just the end assault on women's rights, um, but maybe the first volley and what could become even far more uh, intrusive into um, the, the, the integrity of half our population. Well, remember that you know the analogous decisions around Roe v. Wade concerned the use of contraception, mm, even right. contraception within the inside a marriage. You know, and and so if if people are really this nutty, you know, they can go after a lot of things. You just assume, but certainly they can go after the issue of 
uh, gay marriage, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of the privacy issues that, again, we've taken for granted yeah. as yeah. these are rights. Hey, um, let's go to our phone lines. I would especially love to hear from folks, uh, from our, our, our women in the audience, uh, other medical professionals as well. Uh, but we'll take calls from anybody at 515-519-6323. Again, how this works, text us your name and hometown to 515-519-6323. And we'll call you back and bring you into the program. Again, if you're listening on the radio or to our podcast, the live broadcast occurs every Monday at 4 o'clock on the Fallon Forum Facebook page. Uh, let's go to our phone lines and welcome uh, Frank to the program. Hello, Frank. Hello, Ed. Hello, Charles. How's it going, Frank? Okay. Good. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, no I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost uh, nervous to imagine what your take on this is going to be, Frank, but uh, go ahead. Well, you know, I had a couple of, you know, you know, I, I said I'd talk about Ukraine. I wonder if Ukraine... Oh. Regrets giving up their nukes under Bill Clinton. But to Roe, yeah. listen, get some adults in the room. You got fanatics on both sides of this issue. I'm fundamentally 100% opposed to abortion. I don't e the only circumstance I want is life of the mother. But there's people on the right who won't even concede the life of the mother because they want to say, well, if the mother had her choice, she'd probably give life to her child. Okay, those are the fanatics. Yeah. Then on the left, you got those who want abortion right up to the day of birth. Okay, Frank, so that's So somewhere that's in not between true. the two Frank, is a consensus that most American people are in, and get some adults in the room and settle the issue once and for all. How Frank, about that? Okay, uh, let, let, for, for Charles, okay, so, Charles is going to respond. So I, 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 yeah, for, I would argue that we already know that about two-thirds of the United States believes that there should be some access to abortion. And, and that doesn't answer the question of viability. It doesn't answer the question of the morality of it. But that is the belief of the majority of the United States citizenry. So I agree with you. But there is no, there is nothing to be gained as far as the political establishment to a compromise on this. Um, this is this is the end game that started in the '70s with Paul Weyrich and Phil Shafley and Falwell Sr. And the interesting thing about it being the end game is that bizarrely it has come right around to the very thing that united them with the Republican Party, which, by the way, at the time of Roe v. Wade was for legal abortion, um, which was segregation schools. That was losing tax exempt status for mm -hmm. their segregation schools. And if as Frank, I'm sure you follow things. You know that a number of the cases that are also flying by at the Supreme Court involve taxpayer funding of schools that can segregate based on gender issues and religion, et cetera. So we've come essentially full circle right to where we started in the And 1970s. Frank, I, I, I can understand being against abortion, I get that, but against a woman's right to make a personal decision on a matter that involves her and her only. Uh, I, I guess okay, I Ed, okay, but okay, if you go back to Ralph Northam in Virginia, he's talking about a botched abortion that that baby is no longer part of that mother. The umbilical, cord, the umbilical cord's been cut. That baby has rights. It's separate of the mother. Back in the boat days, if you got your, if the Cubans got their feet on shore, they could claim some standing. If they weren't, if they were in the water, they got sent back home. So this kid's got it. It's it, it's standing. It's outside the mother's womb. It's no longer part of the mother. And they're deciding where to what process they're going to use in killing their child. You're doing yourself okay. no favor on your side promoting something I, and, like and that. And Frank, I, I, and I'm not saying we ain't got some. I'm saying we ain't got some people on our side that's just a, a fanatic. But what I'm saying is, give aid and comfort to that child. That woman no longer has dominance or standing over that child because now that child went through a botched abortion and is still living, still has a heart beating, and they're deciding how to kill it. Okay, okay that, now you guys ain't doing yourselves no favor defending that. And 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 actually, I I would say that as a straw man argument, which is an exception, you're absolutely right, Frank. Yeah. Whereas that's why this issue of viability becomes, since it became the criteria of Roe v. Wade, um, that's why I think Roberts was looking for an out using viability to do just what you're saying which is if the child is inseparable from the mother, it cannot possibly have greater rights than the mother. But once it is separated and potentially viable, you do run into a much bigger moral quandary 
about what to do with that child. I agree with you on that, Frank. Frank, th thanks so much for the call. Again, others, if you want to join the conversation, 515-519-6323. Text us your number and your, home, your name and your hometown. We'll call you right back. Uh, one listener wrote this, uh, Charles, let me share it with you. Um, mm -hmm. Abortions are being banned before assault rifles. It's not about the sanctity of life. It's about control and power. Right. No, I, I totally agree with that. We had a show a long time ago, Ed, which I, I, I said, you know, abortion has always been about two things, misogyny and, um, you know, uh, and jingoism, you know, fear of the others and fear of women. Right. And I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. And, and, but, uh, but making it well, if you make that point in a public debate, You'll just get pushback saying, oh, you're, 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 you're talking about our Second Amendment rights, and that has nothing to do with the, uh, the issue of protecting the sanctity of the unborn. You know, I mean, it's, it's not a winning argument. It's a good point. Right. It's, it's a really good point, actually. But uh, Well, no, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, as Frank said, there are people on, and I hate using this term, the pro-life side, um, who legitimately believe, either through their own reflection or through the assistance of religions, that this is that this is an immoral act, and and they I think those are people of of faith, and and good intention, but I think there's also I, I, understanding the history of the abortion issue in the United States. You have to understand the history of Christian fundamentalism, and Republicans' desire to seize power. Yeah, and um, it was an unholy alliance, so to yeah. speak. Yeah, but I, I don't I don't I just don't get why. Uh, <laughs> Why that? Um, why it, it seems to me when you've got this strong sense of uh, freedom, personal liberty, um, people being able to do do with their lives what they want, that that doesn't translate into into a woman's ability and right to make that choice. I, I just don't. Well, that, that just goes. It just, well, it goes beyond me. It just goes beyond. Well, me. I know. I, I mean, I, I understand the the quandary and 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 the seeming contradiction, which yeah. is. These are the same people who would argue, many of them, for the autonomy to refuse vaccination because their body should be under their control. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying I agree with them, but I'm saying that that, I believe, is what is being played on mm -hmm. in many cases to get support of, of people to this. But we know that they are the minority in this country. The majority of people, including obviously many Catholics and many Protestants, believe that abortion should not be unlimited but it should be available, and it shouldn't be only available to people with resources. Yeah. Hey, we got to take a really short break. We'll be right back. Uh, we'll be taking more phone calls. Um, you can support this alternative to the right-wing shock jocks by becoming a monthly donor or a business sponsor. Thanks to Westrom Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village, Dr. Joel Westrom and his staff are fluent in English and Spanish. The clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m., and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Western Optometry. Thanks also to Story County Veterinary Clinic, where Dr. Kim Holding has been caring for all creatures, great and small, for over 30 years. Learn more at Story County Veterinary Clinic's Facebook page, Story County Veterinary Clinic. Groovy Goods is your Des Moines one-stop hippie shop. Located near Drake University, we are more than just a store. Groovy Goods is about community. We're a tribe brought together by peace, love, and rock and roll. You will be greeted by friendly staff, the smell of incense, the vibration of healing stones and crystals, the vibrant colors of clothing and tapestries, and an extensive herbal apothecary and metaphysical products. At Groovy Goods, everyone is welcome and no one is judged. Check us out online, groovy-goods.com, or stop in at the corner of 23rd and University in Des Moines. At Westrom Optometry, Dr. Joel Westrom and his team provide a variety of services, including comprehensive eye exams, children's eye exams, and LASIK co-management. Whether strictly utilitarian or a fashion statement, your comfort and vision are Westrom's primary concern. Dr. Westrom and his staff will work closely with you to determine the best solution for your eyes, prescription, and lifestyle. Services are provided in English and Spanish, and the clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Western Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village. All right, welcome back to the uh, Fallon Forum. We are discussing the possible repeal of Roe v. Wade, and if you're listening on one of our radio affiliates or to the podcast, uh, the live recording occurs every Monday at 4 o'clock on the Fallon Forum Facebook page, and you can participate in that conversation. 
If you're listening today and you want to participate, 515-519-6323. Text us your name and hometown and we'll call you right back and bring you into the conversation. Uh, let's go again to our phone and uh, welcome Carol from Granger to the program. Hello, Carol. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Um, well, first of all, um, I wanted to thank you for even broaching this topic um, because I think it's an important one. Um, and I hope maybe there will be um, future shows on it with maybe some special guests of, of people who um, really have some important views, I think, to share. Yes, please uh, please uh, always recommend uh, guests that you'd like to see included in this program. That'd be great. Yeah. So here's, here's a thought. Um, one of the questions that I've always wanted to ask people who are extremely pro-life, um, and... You know, I, 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 I don't mean this rhetorically. I mean, I really I really feel as though there's a possible solution here, which is that um, if if you're truly against abortion, okay, i'm I'm against abortion too. I don't I don't um, you know, I don't think anyone likes the idea of abortion. So even most of us who are pro-choice are against abortion. Uh, they're not against a woman's right to choose, but they're against abortion. So let's say we all put our heads together and we all did something about, you know, um, getting rid of abortion. Okay. So what if I asked um, a pro-lifer, okay, let's say you can have what you say you want, which is to get rid of abortion or to, to you know, curtail it uh, severely. Um, let's say you could have that but you couldn't have it on your terms or you wouldn't be able to dictate all the terms, but you could still have what you say you want. Okay. So um, the problem is that most pro-lifers wouldn't agree to the terms, would even be? if they could get what they say they want, because the terms would be do the things that are effective in curtailing abortion, educate sure. women and provide contraception, right? Those are two of the main things. Charles, but, but 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 most pro-lifers aren't interested in that. They're interested in controlling women's bodies and keeping them, you know, in evangelical households or something like that. Well, so that's where the problem Carol, is. But, they don't really mean it. But Carol, why then are women part of the pro-life movement? Well, there are women who were very invested in evangelical thinking, too, or, you know, right-wing Christian thinking, too. And um, there actually are, I've actually read that there are... As, a small number of evangelical women who sort of agree with what I'm saying, where they really are against the idea of abortion. But, but to most of us on the pro-choice side, it really just appears that what they really want is control over women's bodies. They are not sincere about actually eliminating an abortion yeah, because we know what works and um, they're not into those things. So, so that's where I think, you know, a lot of the problem lies. But I'd actually like to refer people to um, an amazing article that was in the New York Times last week um, by a woman named Merit Tierce. I don't know if, you, if either of you saw that article. It's called The Abortion I Didn't Have. Mm -hmm. And she tells the story of um, being a young woman at 19. She's now in her, I believe, 40s, um, who made you know the excruciating choice um, to end up having her, what, what ended up being her son, um, even though um, she was a, a single mom, it was an accident, and she really, really, really didn't want to have the baby, but she was in an evangelical household where, you know, that was expected, and so she just did what was expected. And she writes about, she loves her son, he's a, you know, contributing member of society, an adult, and, and all of that, but that um, she had a different path in life that she didn't get to go down because she ended up choosing to have her son and she loves him dearly. Right. But well, there is an argument to be made that she could have had a different life and she wished that she had had more options. Yeah. And just looking at both of those makes you, she uses this incredible phrase and I'm going to actually title a subset article I'm writing soon called the obligation to hedge. Mm -hmm. And she says mm -hmm. that it's just so important that we look at the, particularities and the eventualities of each woman's case rather than thinking that there's just fanatics on both sides that every case is individual and that everyone should have the opportunity and the ability 
you know, to really consider what's right for them, you know, um, and not just knee-jerk reaction on one side or the other. So Carol, uh, Carol, um, I, I just really recommend that yeah, article. That I will look into that. I want to make sure we leave time for at least one more caller, and I want to give Charles a chance to respond. Uh, uh, Carol, thank you so much for your call. Sure. Charles, uh, follow up on that? Yeah, I, I, I did actually read that article. And okay. um, it was interesting because that was, uh, you know, Amy Comey Barrett asked that question at the oral arguments about why not just use adoption as the out instead mm -hmm. of entering this moral minefield of, that, of that's abortion. A, that's a frequent response from, right. from well, the pro-life movement. That's correct. Right. And, and, you know, their argument, because interestingly, the pro-life movement has now morphed to that these restrictions on abortion are trying to help women, and particularly women of color, which I mean, it's just, just mind-boggling how they're making this argument. But, you know, they keep going back to the psychological damage that women who have abortions suffer with through their lifetime. Mm -hmm. And they totally ignore the psychological issues of giving up a child that you may have held and what, for what, adoption. What about the psychological damage that's about to happen if, if this go, if this goes all the way and Roe v. Wade gets repealed, in many states, in mm -hmm. most states even, and like you said, sixty percent of the country perhaps. What if what if we go that far? And I mean, the sixties maybe maybe the sixties were too long ago for people to remember. Well, that's my point. What that's my point. And, and but that's again, people need to understand that the issue of abortion was not argued in the seventies on this issue of female autonomy. Right. It yeah. was beginning to be argued on that basis because that's when feminism came to the fore. But do you, do you think it, will it be was argued? argued more on the issue of the medical holocaust that was occurring. Right. Interestingly, the same language that is being used by the pro-life movement to claim that they are preventing a holocaust. Yeah. And again, there is, there is no science to this because for instance, the heartbeat bills. The heartbeat bills basically say six weeks, right? There is no heart at six weeks. It's a, it's an, it's a sonographic anomaly. It's a vibration that this ultrasound it, it, that they do, if they would do one that early on, usually would be sensing. There is no heart. So it, there is no viability at this point. Right. And there is no autonomy from the woman to protect. And you know Frank's argument of the autonomy when you live birth a a fetus that was meant to be aborted—that is such an unusual circumstance. Mm. And it's, it, as I said to him, it's a straw man argument. Yeah. Um, back to our phone lines again. Three one sorry five one five five one nine sixty three twenty three. If you want to join the conversation, if you're listening live, uh, again text us your name and hometown, and we'll try to bring you into the program. Let's go to Miriam, Miriam from uh, North Liberty. Hello, Miriam. Hi, Ed. Hi. I'm, I'm fascinated with your show, and um, I'm glad this conversation is happening. Um, I'm going to say some really short things because I think time is a factor here. But these came up for me as I was listening. Number one, and maybe this is the most important one. Who knows? If men could get pregnant, this would not be happening. Yeah, and, and Miriam, when we actually did this one time, I predicted that we would have mostly men call. We had like well, 16 calls well, and 15 well, well, men. But we were on a big right. station, right. a conservative station that covered a third of the Iowa counties, and it was an all-white, all-male audience. Yeah. And yeah, they were all <laughs> against us on that one. <laughs> so Miriam, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, number two. I was born in 1943 and lived through the era of back alley botched abortions and self-mutilating from coat hangers. Right. We cannot return to that. Yeah, and, and the coat hanger- Period. The coat hanger was actually an attempt to induce bleeding to be able to get to a hospital that could then abort to stop the bleeding. So, uh, yeah. That's, 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 that's I know. horrifying. Well, and, and again, Miriam, yeah. that was my point. Yeah. That's yeah. That was the big driver, and that's what's missing the invisibility of that is yeah. what's missing from exactly. where we are now. So number three, this is another example in my view of patriarchy design, denying women's rights, men deciding what women can and can't do with their bodies. Yeah, I mean, you know, it clearly it is. And, you know, I mean, I've been around a long time and I'm just surprised that we 
this is a step backwards. This is like suddenly deciding, well, we're not going to let gay and lesbian people marry anymore, I guess. You know, or, or I guess we're not going to allow interracial marriage. This is a step backwards. And it, is, it shocks me that we're even having to have this conversation. Yeah, it shocks me too. And the next thing I wanted to say is if you're against abortion, for God's sake, don't have one. But don't impose your rights, which in many cases is a religious position, on people who are making their decision with their doctors mm-hmm. about health issues. Right. And and actually, Miriam, this is exactly what has happened to freedom of religion in the United States under the Christian fundamentalist regime, which is it's been flipped on its head, which is that they don't want to participate in the society in which they perceive that they are being forced to do things that are against their religion that the majority is doing. And so therefore, they see themselves as complicit, again, in a Holocaust by not stopping it, but by using the coercion of the government to enforce their religion on other people. You're absolutely right. And it gets back to your issue of patriarchy. Let's be clear here. Yeah. I mean, I'm Let's no, be, yeah, yeah, very I am clear not, here. I am not a fan of religion. I'll be right out front with that. But anytime, I, don't, I don't mind religion. Yeah. I'm just not a fan of the uh, well, I am not. patriarchal and, and society. Pa- Let's have equality. Almost all religions <laughs> were written and, and, you know, and mythology created by men hmm. to create male gods to justify the fact that men should run the show. And you're absolutely right. If you yeah. want to look behind the forces that usually drive the subjugation of women in any society, not just ours, religion is usually behind it. And my response to that, my number five, <laughs> is for God's sake, if you don't want to, if you don't, if you're against abortion, don't have one, but don't tell me what to do with my body, yeah. and let me and my doctor decide that. Miriam, mm-hmm. um, thank you uh, so much for your call. I really appreciate that, and I'm, you're probably the most organized caller we've ever had. <laughs> well, she had the whole show to write those things. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's a lot of things that surprise me in the world. Uh, I would never have seen this coming five years ago. I would never have seen us moving in this direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and it just, um, and I guess my biggest concern is, okay, we're, we're probably going to see, this is probably going to happen. It's probably going to happen that, that the right, the constitutional right to an abortion is going to be uh, taken away in a whole bunch of states. What follows from that? Again, as Miriam, as other callers have said, uh, we're looking at a, a patriarchal, top-down, you know, you know, you know, extremist-driven agenda that does not value women, that does not really value freedom, um, that puts a priority on guns <laughs> over over something like a, a, a personal health care decision. You know, where do you see this leading? What's what's the next thing we need to be concerned about here? Well, I, I think that this was a calculated decision 50 years ago to try to harness a uh, certain type of activism in pursuit of political power. And I think what's happened is that the party that did that, the Republicans, um, has lost control of this very fervent minority, and they are now running the show. And the, the Republicans, in their pursuit of power, decided that control at the state levels, they, they played this perfectly. They understand that majority doesn't rule in the United States, no. because the way the Constitution is set up, you can harness the minority through the, you know, the rule the rural uh, states in the South. And so now they have lost control of this minority. And I would would argue that you're going to see a lot more of this. Yeah. A lot more of what? Uh, Turning back to a time of mythological perfection. So do you see see certain tenets, certain um, interpretations of Christianity as becoming more uh, forcefully applied in law, I mean, there are those who like to see us. Uh, I will, I will say that the, what they see the Bible saying. Well, I, it, that they will see it as because of their topsy-turvy view of religious freedom that they have the right to discriminate against others, whether it be all women, whether it be you know uh, people of color, whether it be uh, LGBTQ people, that their religion gives them the right to do that, and that it will now be protected by law in many places. Well, that's a great concern, and I'm really glad we're talking about it, even though it's really, really difficult. And I really appreciate uh, people who've taken the time to uh, call in and be a part of the, the uh, conversation. 
Uh, we've got to take a short break. We'll be right back. If you've been uh, following our live stream, uh, thank you for tuning in. We'll, um, you know, that will wrap up this week's live broadcast. If you're listening on the radio or to our podcast, stay tuned as Kathy Burns joins us for our weekly farm and food segment. Today we're going to be discussing a story in The Guardian about some attacks against former vegans by vegans. Interesting conversation. Back in a jiffy. Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. With over 5,000 items to choose from, you can order groceries online and the Gateway team will bring them to you curbside. It's a convenient way to shop from anywhere and save time. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week with catering and floral services also available. Visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. Architecture by Synthesis provides planning, design, and design-build services for high-performance, low-maintenance, affordable homes and buildings. Owner Mark Klipsham is adamantly and actively committed to supporting the mission of the Fallon Forum and community radio stations. Mark knows we must all live and work with the goal of building better health for both people and planet. And he works to implement that vision through his stewardship of Architecture by Synthesis. You can learn more at architecturebysynthesis.com. At Story County Veterinary Clinic, Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures, great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant. Well, if you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's clients stick with her year after year because they know she'll do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Kim a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's 232-8766. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Again, Ed Fallon with you here, folks. Uh, remember, you can support this alternative to the right-wing shock jocks by becoming a monthly donor, or if you own a small business, or if you run a nonprofit doing good work, become a sponsor of this program. Speaking of sponsors, thanks to Gateway Marketing Cafe, that's Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. And here's a great idea. Gateway gift cards. They can be used not only at Gateway Market, but at a whole bunch of Central Iowa restaurants, including Centro, Django, Malo, the Zombie Burgers, and more. That's Gateway Marketing Cafe. Veganism. Okay, so it's been a fringe movement for a long time, but now it's huge. With me to talk about this and about some pushback against people who decide maybe veganism is not for them. Kathy Burns. Hello, Kathy. Welcome to the program. Hello. I'm ready to eat a great big hamburger. <laughs> Are you now? Okay. Well, so, no. Well, not you right know, now. well, I, I mean, there. So, in 20, just looking at Great Britain, all right? Mm -hmm. 2014, 150,000 Britons were vegan. Mm -hmm. Four years later, 600,000. Mm -hmm. It's a big change. It's that's, a big change, and big change. Um, we still—it's still not a big percent of the population. Right. I did, but there are millions globally. Millions of people there have are. gone vegan. There are. There are. I looked at uh, who are you know a few sample countries of how what percent of their population is vegan. Israel is the most vegan nation at five percent, which is ironic for the land of milk and honey. <laughs> um, I guess they have great <laughs> access to. Um, the kind of soil that grows good vegetables and not good access to the kind of soil that grows stuff to feed animals for yeah. meat. So that takes care of that. Israel, 5%. Okay. Where's the U.S.? U.S. is about half <clears throat> of a percent. One half of 1%. Denmark is at 4%. Uh, a lot of um, Africa and Middle East region um, up to 6%. So U.S. is very low. Um, the story that caught our eye in The Guardian was from... Britain, of course, is a British um, publication, so about 3% of Brits right. are vegan. Yeah, and again, here, here's my concern. Is we, um, just a, the concern expressed in the article, which I share, is that uh, there are a very, there's a very small sliver of the vegan universe that are what you might call militant. And uh, there are people who 
we're vegans, we're vocal mm -hmm. about it, um, for one reason or another, decided it wasn't in their best interest to continue. Either they supplemented their diet with a little bit of meat, maybe they went to fish, mm -hmm. maybe they gave it up altogether, and they get eviscerated. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the militant vegan who espouses not killing animals I mean, some of these people have even gotten death threats. That, that's ironic. That's a <laughs> no. worse irony than the land of milk and honey being the most <laughs> vegan nation. Um, yeah, that, that's not, um, you know, true to their professed beliefs if they are doing it. For the, the most common reason that people are vegan is that they don't agree with the suffering of animals uh, to feed humans. So right. they're trying to exclude uh, as much of that from their diet as possible. Yeah, I remember one uh, one vegan criticizing. I, mean, I I get criticized a lot, actually. Uh, for, well, for, in general, in general, yeah, but sure. But I remember giving two talk. I gave two different talks in Florida uh, on the march across the country for climate action, and pretty much both vegan critics said you really can't be a serious climate activist if you eat any meat at all, and that's or any dairy at all, for that matter. That's the second most cited reason for people being, well, outside of the, the overall health benefits, yeah. the most cited um, thing is people say it's more environmental. And we, we are fine if, if you're vegan, fine, if you're omnivine, if whatever you are, that's fine. We just don't want people preaching to each other about it. But I was sh as shocked as you were uh, when I read some of these stories. Uh, there was a, a, a fella who... Um, is a, a, no, a runner and YouTube uh, star. His name is uh, Tom Sheaf, I think, who made his name as a passionate vegan athlete. And then um, he uh, he gave it up and was just, just faced a lot of abuse. And my, my impression is these people didn't give up being a vegan because they suddenly had a change of heart and liked the idea of killing animals. They gave it up because their health was deteriorating. Right. Now, I, and I, I'm, I'm willing to believe that for some people, a vegan diet is the best possible thing they can do for themselves. Mm -hmm. But I'm also very, uh, very, I, I'm certain from my own life and own experience that that would not be the best diet for me. And so I can understand how somebody right. might think it's in their best interest and after a year into it, discover that they've lost too much weight. They don't know the energy they had, mm -hmm. other medical problems. Maybe they're taking too many supplements. I get that. Um, well, <laughs> the, the interesting part about that is... Um, the article also noted that uh, a vegan, a strictly vegan diet actually cannot pr even provide you with B12. And that's a crucial element in our diets. And so people who choose veganism, if they're working with medical professionals, et cetera, they might take supplements for that. But sometimes um, I think there was one person cited in this article who realized that they were supplementing their diet so much that they, they couldn't have been getting what they needed from that diet. And... Um, uh, people were developing um, intestinal disorders and um, losing weight and, and all kinds of things. So, so they went back to eating meat. And then you're right, they were just uh, lambasted with, um, with people telling them that they are, uh, uh, you know, somebody was calling one of these folks a murderer. Yeah. Um, and didn't, didn't, didn't one of them even have death threats? Yes. <laughs> Which I think that's, I'm sorry for laughing, but that just, there's an irony there. The animal rights activist threatening to right. kill a human being. Anyway. Right. Uh, but, and I, and I know, I, I mean, most vegans I know, including my co-host today, Charles Goldman, great people who would never do such a thing, who aren't so narrow in their focus that they can't accept it. They, they accept that other people have different ways of eating. I get that. That's good. Most most people I know who choose different diets um, are pretty accepting of others. So I I think we just we beat this drum a lot about eat what you what you decide you need. Understand what your body needs. Understand where foods come from. If you if you are interested in helping with the environment, then uh, don't eat meats that are not ethically and sustainably grown. So there are some there are some um, solutions out there, but know your body, do some research, and know where your food comes from. And those are the main points that we keep making. Um, almost everything comes back to that for us. Yeah, no, it's it, you know, not all meat is created or raised equally, mm -hmm. and um, that's a point. It's just it's just hard to keep making that point, but it's a. Uh, 
because some people just don't want to hear it. <laughs> but uh, it's so true. I mean, you know, you can you can raise animals in confinement, which we do not support. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, I, I guess you could you could say that a barn is a confinement, uh, an old traditional barn. Um, others others <laughs> also see it as a safety mechanism. If you don't sure, have yeah. a shelter for the animals that you're raising, then you're not yeah. being responsible. But it's just like just like people, you know, people children do better when they have a nice you know, recess that gets them outside and gets them exercising. You know, right, right. Play is good. Exercise is good. Air is good. And so that's a, that's the same with animals too. Um, Grass-fed beef, my you know my my beef of choice, hands down. <laughs> oh, I I know, and I you know before I knew the difference between that between that and grain-fed, it it you know yeah. I just didn't understand that. But and then I learned, and then I learned. Well, we need to get a vegan on our program to talk more about this stuff. Hey, Kathy, thanks for joining us. Thank uh, you. Thanks to Charles Goldman, my in-studio guest, and to the folks who took the time to call into the program. Thanks to our local business partners, including Gateway Marketing Cafe. Architecture by Synthesis, Story County Veterinary Clinic, Western Optometry, Groovy Goods, and Dr. David Drake Family Psychiatry. Thanks to our production squad of Sherry Herdina, Forrest Detterman, Charles Goldman, Kathy Burns, and myself, Ed Fallon. And thanks to our nonprofit partners as well, Bold Iowa and Birds of Bees Urban Farm. Thanks again, folks, for tuning in to today's program, and we'll be back next week with another hour of cutting-edge talk radio. <laughs>